Hey there, Giants fans. Welcome to the latest episode of our Talk is Cheap podcast. Daryl Slater here uh, with Bob Rookover. As usual, NJ Advanced Media, the Star Ledger, NJ.com, coming to you here on Tuesday morning, January the 24th. And the Giants, of course, on Saturday night got crushed in Philadelphia. Uh, they were, look, the bottom line overmatched. The gap is large between the Giants and the Eagles at this point and the Giants in the top of the NFC because that's where the Eagles sit. Uh, Giants lost to the Eagles by 26 and 31 points this year, so there's no way of sugarcoating it. Uh, the gap is large. Uh, the Giants still have a lo- long way to go uh, to get back to being a Super Bowl contender. And But the bottom line is it was a successful first season, of course, for Brian Dable. They won a playoff game on the road in Minnesota. Um, you know, Obviously, they made the playoffs, and so they exceeded expectations. But now we'll really pitch this ahead. Um because we've spent a lot of time talking about the season over the course of the season. Um, but we have not really spent a lot of time talking about the offseason stuff because there were competitive games to be played, <laughs> unlike past giant seasons where that was not the case. So it's Joe Shane time now. I mean, Brian Dable showed you he can coach um, and then he can get uh, more out of a roster than people expected. Now Joe Shane has to go get him some talent, has to help him close the gap. Um, and he has the salary cap space to do it. And let's see what kind of GM Joe Shane is here, Bob. And it'll be a fascinating offseason for him. Absolutely. Uh, you know, as, as uh, Steve Politi wrote today, you know, it's one thing to get to the playoffs and go from a team that was really just completely irrelevant to being a playoff team. Now there's another step to take. Can you become a Super Bowl contender? The Giants weren't a Super Bowl contender. Anybody that thought they were – because they made the playoffs. I mean, even won a playoff game. We're going to go to Phoenix for, for the big game uh, was uh, delusional to say the least. Um, but, you know, they do now have a foundation in place. Uh, Brian Dable's way of doing things will be the way going forward. Um, and Joe, as you said, you know, now it's up to Joe Shane to get him some better players in some very important spots. Uh, Never an easy thing to do. Uh, he does have more cap space, uh, you know, so he has he has more uh, ways of doing some things, uh, but it's still not an easy task to, you know, he's got to get the right players. You know, we can talk about it and we, and we should talk about like what, what this his first rookie class ended up being like. And because obviously the draft is going to be always is always the most important thing when building a team. Um, so a lot of work ahead for Joe Shane in the offseason. And then he, he mentioned it yesterday, Joe Shane did, in terms of the gap-closing stuff. The Giants, accounting the playoff loss to the Eagles, were 1-5-4 and one against their division opponents. 1-4-1. Yeah, one, one, four, one, one. And then if you count the, if you count the playoff loss. Okay, okay, yeah, well, okay yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. And so, obviously, either one, 1-4-1, one, 1-5-1, one, 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 not good. Um, and so that no. can't. You know, they, they're trying to get to, back to the top of the NFC East and the teams in their way, obviously the Cowboys and most notably and glaringly the Eagles. And um, yeah, they have to be able to get, I mean, look, Howie Roseman's done a great job getting talent for Nick Sirianni. And now it's, and now it is uh, Joe Shane's turn to do that. I mean, let, all right, let's just like no more Dave Gettleman excuses here. Not, I mean, not that, that he was framing Joe Shane was uh, this is excuses, but enough already. Like everyone knows Dave Gettleman did a terrible job. Look, no one's talked about it more than us here. 
and no one's crushed him. And enough with the revisionist history that like Dave Gettleman, oh, he, because he drafted Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, he's all is forgiven. You know, no, he did a terrible if job. You, if, you get, if you have a first a pick in the first ten and you mess it up, you're really not, really, really, really not doing a good job. There's a lot more to the job than that, and a lot yeah. of people get the t- picks in the top ten right. Uh, and, exactly. and and you could and you could even argue that even though Saquon's turned into a terrific Pro Bowl player, uh, whether it was the right pick or not, because because of the reason we, 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 what we're going to get to here and discuss whether the Giants are going to keep him because of how they value that position, it was not the right. I mean, you, it was not the right pick at number two. I mean, that was a bad. Yeah, you know, bottom line is it wasn't. Um, so, but look, I mean. Joe Shane mentioned again yesterday, oh, you know, we're in tough cap situation when we got here, blah, blah, blah. You know, he even mentioned something about like the roster talent. No, okay, we get it. You were in a tough situation. It was a lot of it was Dave Gettleman's fault. That's often how it works when a new GM comes in, but no more excuses. It's over. Like it's your turn to put this, your stamp on this team. Uh, This is your team. Now, everything here going forward falls on you. Uh, Obviously last year's draft class when they had a ton of draft capital, falls on him uh this free agency class when he got i'll have a lot more cap space he um falls on him so right, I, I would say the, the, one I would, the one thing i would say is i think he did better at and he, he actually complimented his staff for this better at bringing in guys on the fringe yes. uh to contribute to this roster than he did with his 11 draft picks um Isaiah Hodgins, yeah I, I think he did a great job uh with that kind of stuff. I mean, whether, whether they graded out as great players or not, Jalen Smith ended up being such a big part of this uh, defense because he, you know, he ended up being the middle linebacker um, after they released um, drawing a blank here, Daryl helped me in the, in, in training camp. Um, Blake Martinez. And Blake then Martinez, Martinez, thank, you, thank you. After they released Blake Martinez, um, you know, he, Jalen Smith ends up being the middle linebacker, really. Um, you know, Fabian Moreau comes in. Uh, Hodgkins is another Hodgkins is another guy who came in and was certainly a big contributor for them. Nick McLeod is, is another one of those. Jason Pinnock, those kinds of guys. He did a great job of bringing in those kind of guys. And I, I would argue that he did a better job with that than he actually did with the draft. And, and obviously you don't grade a draft after one year, but I'm just, you know, it, it, there's a lot to be be told about this draft still. But after one year, you would say, Hey, he did a great job with this. Let's see. It's still to be determined what happened. You know, and a lot of what happened with the draft picks, as I wrote for for this morning, was they got killed by injuries. It was amazing. Four four ACL injuries of the eleventh guy guys you drafted is just um, either it's bad luck or a bad field. <laughs> so. yeah. Well, uh, and as you, Julian Love mentioned to you yesterday, right? The the new field turf surface will be what's like the same as Seattle and New Orleans, right? Yeah. Yeah, so they're not, they're not getting grass at least for at least till twenty twenty six. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that you know the players aren't getting their wish there, but hopefully for the sake of everyone's health, uh, that that surface is upgraded. Well, and before we get into the off season stuff, and uh, real quick here, uh, we'll top it with the the news of today as we're talking Tuesday morning. Mike Kafka, the Giants' play calling offensive coordinator, will get a second interview with the Texans that'll be in person Wednesday down in Houston. He interviewed and. Hate the word virtually here. No, he actually interviewed, and it happened via video chat on uh, a Sunday. Uh, he interviewed via video chat, uh, which is the way. <laughs> that's my pet peeve. Uh, Sunday with um, 
the Texans, the Colts, and the Panthers. So obviously a sought-after head coaching candidate. Um, you know, you could say whatever. I mean, is the Texans' job intriguing or is it worth going? The bottom line is if he gets offered the job, he's probably taking it. So what does Brian Dable do? Uh, and we talked about this a little bit before we came on. So, like, what, what do you think he, all things considered, he would and should do if Mike Kafka does get a head coaching job? Yeah, I, I think, it's, as we discussed this morning, I think it's a really uh, easy solution if he wants it to be. I mean, if you go back and look at Brian Dable's history with Shea Tierney that started in Alabama in 2017, uh, he, at that point, they became inseparable. Um, Dable leaned on Tierney heavily um, to get uh, accommodated, get uh you know, get get his feet on the ground in Alabama. And then when he left Alabama after a year, he took him with him to Buffalo. And then when he left Buffalo after four years, he brought him to um, the Giants. Uh, I think he has a ton of trust in Shea Tierney. Uh, I know Shea Tierney's been around when he was in Buffalo. He was always around Ken Dorsey and Brian Dable. Uh, you know, so he knows that this offense. And in, in uh, East Rutherford, he was always around Kafka and Dable. So he knows... Uh, you know, as, as someone said to me, I, th- I think it was Pat Shermer who said to me when I was doing a story in Shea Tierney, uh, the, the, the quarterback's coach is the guy who goes up to the off, who, you know, uh, gets on the headset with the offensive coordinator at, at crunch time and says, here's the five plays that he's most comfortable with, your quarterback's most comfortable with. Um, you know, these are, these are the things that are going to work. Uh, so he's already got all that in his, in his head. Uh, and then you can solve the quarterback coach problems by simply making if if, you, if he's ready to do it, um, you know. And you, I think if you make him the right offer, he'll be ready to do it. Davis Webb, you make him your quarterbacks coach. Uh, also well versed in this offense, you know. You can make a seamless transition by simply doing that, and you don't have to go through the headache of of bringing in outside guys, uh, you know, and, and interviewing outside guys who who you then would have to get on board with what you do as an offense. Uh, to me, it's, to me, it seems like a pretty easy solution. And, you know, the, the one other thing on there's they do also have an offense coordinator on their current staff, a former offense coordinator and Mike Brother, the receivers coach um, who did it with the Eagles, but did not call plays. So uh, there are options right in house to me. For sure. And I think, you know, the potential con, I guess, of the Shea Tierney thing is he's, he has not called plays. Now, Mike Kafka hadn't before either, uh, but Mike Kafka had been a full-time position coach for longer. And this this past season was the first uh, year in which Shea Tierney had been a full-time position coach. So that's something to consider. I, I think a lot of the pros, as you mentioned, all the continuity factor is important. Also, there's a lot of teams looking for offensive coordinators out there right now. Obviously, the teams that fired their head coach. And then a lot of other teams like, you know, Jets, Rams, you go down the list of all these teams that like Ravens who fired the OC. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, it'll be a lot of competition if he if Brian Dable goes and looks outside uh, as far as Mike Rowe goes, you know, didn't call plays, obviously, with the Eagles in 18 and 19. Doug Peterson did. Uh, so the only time Mike Rowe's ever called plays at any level was 06 to 08 when he was Virginia's offensive coordinator. And so um, I do think, you know, probably Shea Tierney would be the guy. Uh, in the pecking order, all the things you said, uh, because of all the things you said, w- to get that job. So we'll see what, what Brian Dable does. Uh, maybe he doesn't have a decision to make. Maybe Mike Kafka doesn't get the Texans job or any other job, and he's back. But continuity, obviously, and this goes into what we're about to talk about now, continuity, obviously, really important. 
because as as you know, Joe Shane confirmed what everyone know knew. Daniel Jones will be, be back uh, as the Giants quarterback next year. Whether that's a playing under the one year franchise tag, whether that's I'm sure they're going to franchise tag him and just use that as a baseline for negotiations and maybe something gets done. I think it probably will. Uh, and if it doesn't, you know, he's just tagged and so the, he's not going anywhere. Um, so continuity will be really, really important um, in terms of scheme, in terms of voice, all that stuff for Daniel Jones to build on a big year. Uh, so honestly, it's not really <laughs> worth a, breaking down the whole Jones situation that much, but, uh, the bigger question is Saquon Barkley, right? I mean, based on what Joe Shane said yesterday at his press conference. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it was pretty clear to anybody uh, sitting in that auditorium that the Giants are going to do what they have to do to get back, to get Daniel Jones to come back. Uh, but they're not going to do uh, absolutely everything. They're, you know, as as he talked about, there's a walkaway number for, for players uh, and, in Saquon's case, you know, he made it clear that they weren't that close when they talked in the middle of the season during the bye week. Uh, and he made it clear that, you know, there's a salary cap to deal with. Um, you know, and it, the Giants aren't different than, I would say, almost every team in the league. I'd be, I don't know which teams do look at it this way. Uh, but, you know, running back position is just not valued as much as a quarterback position or a lot of positions because of the, the, the rate that they turn over. I mean, and the ability to get them in, in, in later rounds, you know, you're these guys last five, six years, cause they, they're, they're constantly in high speed collisions um, and they're constantly getting hurt because they get banged up because they get hit so much. So, you know, it's, it's, it's understandable why they feel that way. It, it, to lack of a better term, it sucks for running backs. Uh, as, as a human being, I'd cheer for running backs to get big deals just because of what they have to go through. Um, but it, it, it was clear yesterday where Joe Shane stands on the subject. And so many of these second contracts have become cautionary tales for the position. Um, I think there's obviously some people in this market uh, who cover this team that are clouded by sentimentality and I think relationships and um you know the fact that Saquon Barkley is a nice guy and he is uh has been pleasant um has been a pro I mean uh, but look I mean just because a guy says he wants to be a giant for life and doesn't want to reset the market doesn't make him you know Gandhi rolled in with you know Jim it Brown doesn't, it doesn't it doesn't change Joe Shane's job of evaluating what Joe what, Shane what, has what to look team. at this with a cold calculated through a cold calculated lens I'm sorry but like um you know Look, if he's willing to say Juan Barkley is to return on on the deal that they they want him back. Like, let's be clear, they're not putting him curbside, right? Um, but but I think we need to take a step back and look at this and say, okay, like you know, the guy, okay, he wants to be a giant for life, great, you know, but he's not playing. He's not gonna to his credit, you know, to Barkley's credit, he shouldn't. He maybe he should, you know, well, not even maybe. These guys have a small window to maximize their value. If he says, I want this amount of money and the Giants say, no, that's, that's not a negative on him. Like he, okay, go, go try to get that money elsewhere. Um, right. I, I mean, and, I, and that happens in negotiations all the time where a guy thinks he's worth something and then he goes out and finds out, well, nobody really wants to pay me this. I, I like it best here. So I'm going back, you know, so that part could backfire on Saquon if he goes out and, and finds out he's not worth what he uh, thinks he is. To I wouldn't even say backfire though, because like, honestly, like, it's it's well within like go go for it go go look elsewhere that that's honestly like 
good. Right. That's that's what free agency is all about. <laughs> yeah. And and a lot of this, you know, people know, like, all this sausage gets made, you know, at the scouting combine. That's when, like, you, tampering happens. Like, it, it's happening there. Like, players, agents, and, 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 and team representatives are talking there and setting, you know, price dollars for free agency. So the notion that, like, nothing, no conversations happen until March 13th when the tampering window or the negotiating window opens, that's right. not true. It hap- it'll happen at the combine. Um, his agent will get, uh, you know, gauge the value and then we'll see what happens. Um, but it's pretty clear. They're not, they're not going to tag him because they're going to, I mean, reading the tea leaves yesterday or reading between the lines, they'll tag Daniel Jones, not Saquon Barkley. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. There's no, no doubt about it. the guy they want to keep the guy they're going to keep apparently, uh, as, as Joe Shane mistakenly spoke, uh, misspoke that, that, you know, that, we're going to bring Daniel Jones back, uh, but you know it's it's clear what what, what how the, what's at the top of their agenda, and it is Daniel Jones, and it is not Saquon Barkley. Uh, but as you said, they 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 do want to have him back, uh, and they, and you know and they do think he's a terrific player and a terrific teammate, which he is. I mean, he's the uh, I've covered sports for forty years, and I would say probably in the most, top three most accessible uh, superstars I've ever covered. Um, for, for sure. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, you should want him back, but you, you should also want him back at a price that can, and in a, in a way that fits under your cap and allows you to build your team to, to another level. A hundred percent. And it's not just about Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. I mean, they, they should be paying Dexter Lawrence a lot of money this offseason. period. I mean, the guy should refuse to show up until he, there is no way on earth that he should be willing to pay on, play under the fifth year option. He was the best interior defensive lineman in the entire NFL this year. He's the best player on the team. Uh, yes, he does not play this more, you know, the valuable position that, that Daniel Jones does. He's the best player on the team. They need to pay him period. Uh, and he should raise absolute hell until he is paid and has every right to be doing that. So that's yeah, I, well, I, that, that part I would, I will disagree with you. on. Uh, you don't think they should pay him? I, no, that part I agree with you on that, that they should try to get him wrapped up to a, yeah. a long-term deal this offseason. But the part about raising hell is he's, <laughs> he's I'm overstating he's, it. What's that? I'm overstating it. But <laughs> yeah, well, to me, to me, this is the you know it it was his union that negotiated this collective bargaining agreement and these rules. So if the Giants, you know, they're they're perfectly within their rights and. To me, the player, if the player wants to bitch and moan about something that his union negotiated, um, this this drives me nuts about players sometimes because they complain about all the stuff. But whenever it comes time, even rules like, you know, you go to the owners meetings and they have all the that's where they set the rules for the following season. They have all these uh, the competition committee has all these things and you hear the players talk about them during the season. But you know, then the off season comes, and not enough of them are uh, are vocal out front. But th- it's also with the collective bargaining agreement, and it's in every sport. Uh, you know, oh, we want this, we want this, but we're not going to really think about it too much in the off season. <laughs> you know, so you know, if you don't like the rules, you work to get the rules changed, but don't don't hold out. That's the kind of stuff that I I don't. So. Well, I, I think in the NFL now there is no like there's no more like true holding out like Dexter Lawrence if he doesn't show up for voluntary. Yeah, right. Well, again, that's within their rights to no to no not... one should, 
like he does not deserve an ounce of criticism for not showing up for voluntary OTAs. Like, absolutely. No, again, within that rules, <laughs> that's his leverage. Now, obviously, the fines are so heavy that the training camp holdouts and the mini camp holdouts are right. almost prohibitive. You can't do that right. anymore. But right. he has a very small amount of leverage, and my point, I guess, was that he should use it. Um, you know, does he need to go on Twitter and and call Joe Shane a a jerk or whatever? No, of course yeah. not. But I don't, I, think, I, don't, I don't think I don't I don't envision Dexter Lawrence doing. <laughs> But the, I think they'll pay him. They should pay him. So they they, should. They'll, they'll take care of Jones. They'll take care of Dexter Lawrence. Maybe they take care of Saquon Barkley. Uh, and like real quick, we can before, you know, we'll, uh, we can just look at uh, before we look at their needs. Obviously, the Giants looking at right now $54.2 million in cap space. They're third in the league. That number is going to go up to about 61 after they cut Kenny Galladay. Um, that's a no brainer cut. So in addition to retaining Lawrence or retaining Jones, paying Lawrence, maybe retaining Barkley, the other moves that Joe Shane has to figure out here are what does he do with um, Julian Love, Darius Slayton, I'd say to a lesser extent Nick Gates. I don't think Sterling Shepard will be back because he can't stay healthy. Those are the four most notable non-Jones, non-Barkley free agents. Um, I guess we can just take those – Real quick, one by one, where do you stand on those guys? So, give me the names. Can we start with Julian Love, right? Sure. Yeah, Love. Uh, yeah, I think you got to bring him back. Um, you know, I, I don't know what he's going to to. That, that's a tricky one in terms of what he wants, but he's obviously was a a big defensive leader who was asked to do ask asked to do even more uh, when Xavier McKinney went down with his injury midseason. Uh, he's obviously a very good teammate um, and a team leader. I think he's a guy you want back a good, not a superstar, but a really good solid NFL player. Yeah, I agree. I agree on that. Uh, what about Darius Slayton? And then we can talk about number one receiver buzzword stuff. So what do you think about that? Slayton? Darius is a curious guy to me because he, you obviously did a great story on him this year. Uh, and he, he obviously had a fascinating season where that started with a pay cut and that we're even talking about uh, bringing him back is, is was unlikely five months ago, four months ago. Um, you know, under the right deal, I would bring him back. He, you know, despite everything that happened to him, he loves being here. He loves playing with Daniel Jones. Um, and he's a, he's a deep threat. He obviously has those moments where he has some big drops. Um, but in, in terms of being part of a receiving rotation because of his speed on, and his ability to get open, I, I would say under the right deal, I would bring him back for sure. And I think we can both agree that, um, I won't put words in your mouth maybe, but that Sterling Shepard won't and should not be back. Yeah. And yeah, I just think, I think the injuries have, have caught up to him. Um, you know, he's, he, it was great that he stuck around and, you know, was part of that team and, you know, talking to players and encouraging players through the, the entire season after going out so early. He, I think he's the only guy that got injured that did that. Correct. I mean, I'm trying to think of somebody else in that locker room. Yeah. He, he was the only one that they really allowed to, to do that. Uh, so they obviously think he's a high character guy. Uh, but I think he, I think you need to move on. I think you need to get, Younger, uh, you know, Kadarius Tony obviously didn't work out, but um, you know, a, a very good baseball general manager who's in the Hall of Fame 
once said to me, you know, just because you, you you screw up something doesn't mean, and they didn't screw it up, but just because something didn't work out doesn't mean you you stop trying to to do that. And you know, so the Giants are at the point where <laughs> you keep trying to get the what right wide receiver. The Eagles are an example of that. They they tried tried forever to get the right receivers and and never could, and finally they struck gold with Devonte Smith and AJ Brown. Uh, but it took him for a long time to do that, and they kept and Howie Roseman kept trying until he finally, finally hit with the right guys, uh, and that's that's the position the Giants are in right now. Great comparison, and that well, you can just quickly, you know, or it doesn't have to be quick, whatever. We can go as long as we want. Uh, we'll use this as a jumping off point. Like yesterday, Joe Shane said, number one, <laughs> well, yeah, "Number one receiver doesn't guarantee you anything." Okay, I get it. They shut down Justin Jefferson. You know, look, Justin Jefferson didn't play defense for the Vikings <laughs> in that game, but they yeah. did. They did shut him down. And okay, so like, let's look at this Giants receiver room. So his point is this: like, I get what he's saying. He's saying that well, Giants fans remember this. I mean, the Giants have spent now big money on Golden Tate and Kenny Galladay. Right, that's four total seasons since they traded away Odell Beckham, who wound up withering himself. Um, okay. Golden Tate didn't play a single NFL snap after the Giants released him, and that probably will wind up being true of Kenny Galladay. Complete and total, utter bust. Disaster. Yeah, as somebody who watched the Eagles a lot before Golden Tate got to the Giants, if they'd called me, I'd have told him. <laughs> what are you doing, right? I mean, cup, cup. That's why those are those are two examples of why this revisionist history is nonsense when it comes to Dave Gettleman. But um okay so like what do they do so so Isaiah Hodgins is going to be back right Wandale Robinson is going to be back um coming off the ACL tear but that was later in the season so he may not even be ready for week yeah, he one was still, he was still using crutches in the locker room uh right Sunday on baggy day maybe Darian Slayton is back obviously we know Kenny Galladay and Sterling Shepard will be gone Richie James is a kind of a fringe player anyway but he's a pending free agent maybe they bring him back whatever the bottom line is they don't have a high draft pick in the first round. They don't have a high draft pick in the second round. So they have one in each of those rounds. So will Joe Shane spend some money on a receiver in free agency? And here's to me, here's the problem with that. Go look at the list of guys, and, and this list could get smaller as guys and resign. Yeah, did. yeah. It's not a great list. It's, so it's, it's it's not a great list in my opinion. I agree. And and it's so remember, you know, Kenny Galladay got $18 million a year from the Giants. Uh, right. It, that was his average annual value of his contract. Um, so that was quite a bit of money. And that was, you know, two years ago. That was in the 2021 offseason. I took a look. Uh, Spotrack does a does a great job of lists of pending free agents. And they also include market value. So they do. Uh, it's, it's worth checking that those are interesting things to poke around on. Um, so the top, I would say, let's just say the top five receivers this off season are Juju Smith, Schuster, Jacoby Myers, Alan Lazard, Michael Hardman, DJ Shark. Uh, the market value for those guys is Smith Schuster at 14 Myers at 12 Lazard at 11 Hardman at 11 Shark at nine and a half. So even with the cap inflation, None of those guys is projected to get a, a monster deal. Um, but, I mean, he has to go – he has to get somebody, right? Like, I understand free agency is not always going to be the ideal route and you have to overpay to some degree. Uh, but you can't just – like, could you bring back Slayton and pair him with Hodgins and then just, like, hope on Wendell Robinson? You have to do something, right? 
you do have to do something. Um, but as I look at that list, I did, you know, the question that pops into my mind is who, who's the number one? Yeah. <laughs> you know, who on that list is the number one receiver? Um, you know, again, you, maybe, maybe you, you take a chance. I, I, I don't know. There, there, there's just, there's nobody on the list. I don't even know who, you, um, I don't even know who he would begin to – Juju Smith-Schuster maybe take a chance. Again, not a number one, though. Um, you know, there's yep. just not a guy on the I, – I just look at the list over and over and just say, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> so, yep, yep. Uh, so uh, – and, and you don't have a, a number one of your own either. Um, I mean, the Hodgkin's, Hodgkin's story was great, uh, and I think you definitely want him back, and you want to see if he can go to another place. Um, you know, uh, an, an even better place and, and maybe become at least a, a really uh, solid number two guy. But, you know, in all likelihood, well, the, the other thing we haven't talked about is who's going to be available in the trade market. And I don't know the answer to that right now. And maybe maybe somebody does become available in the trade market. Yeah, and, and certainly the Giants are at the point in their rebuild where they should be pushing to go deeper in the playoffs next year. They should they don't need to be cautious. They can make a trade, right? And try to right. yeah, sure. And and that's how the Eagles got AJ Brown. So you Yeah, know. put themselves into a better position. I mean, that no right. one would say like, Oh, geez, why are you why are you going all in? Or I mean, you, you're gonna pay your quarterback. Like they, Joe Shane straight up said yesterday, we want to build around Daniel Jones, give him help and have him help us win a Super Bowl. So they gotta go do it. And I will say, you know, in terms of the draft, Daniel Jeremiah does a great job, put out his first mock draft. He has the Giants actually at 25, picking Jordan Addison, a receiver from USC. Actually, in this draft, according to this mock, the first the first receiver off the board, which is kind of low for the first receiver, but um, something to consider. I mean, they could certainly draft a receiver. Um Sure. Well, they need they need to. Best not, I don't think it's a great receiver class either, to no, be honest. I mean, uh, clearly not. I mean, Dale Jeremiah has the first guy going at twenty five. So right, right. Um, I think a lot of people have uh, have Quentin Johnson Johnson of the TCU as the first receiver going, but um, you know, but whatever. But maybe there is. You know, if a Jordan Addison did drop to twenty five, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to the Giants taking him there for sure. And and, and yeah, so I mean. J- Joe Shane has to has to do something to address this receiver room. Like they have to they have to get more weapons in the passing game. Period. Absolutely. Yep. The other issues that they have, I mean, wide receiver. Um, um we'll stick on offense and address Nick Gates real quick because like interior offensive line. I mean, they they I don't think John Feliciano's back as the center. Um, the left guard. We'll see. Maybe it's Nick Gates. Ben. I mean, Ben Bredesen's under contract. The other positions, obviously, they need Evan Neal to get better. Uh, they need Andrew Thomas to keep playing great. Um, Glowinski is going to be back because of his contract at right guard. So left guard and center, they got to figure that out. They got to figure out whether they want Gates back. Yeah, Gates is Gates and Bredesen or uh, Bredesen, as you said, is back. Um, you know, they they thought of enough Gates to to start him. Um, you know, and and rotate him with with Bredesen. Um, you know, Feliciano was brought in here because he knew the offense. Uh, he converted to center. I don't know. I don't know how they feel about him and whether they feel he can get better at center. This is really his first year uh, playing center, um, but you know they do. They need to do a better job of protecting um, Daniel Jones. 
And as you mentioned, to me, to me, the biggest the biggest factor on that offensive line isn't necessarily the interior. It's Evan Neal needing to get better. I mean, yeah. he really he really had he really struggled his first season. Um, and they you can't afford for your number seven overall pick to be a bust. And I'm not saying the kid's a bust, but it was it, let's let's put it plainly. It was a terrible rookie season. Now. I, I made this point in, in looking at the rookies today. It seemed like he was making some progress before he suffered that MCL injury in Jacksonville uh, and then came back and was kind of back at ground zero and struggled again. Uh, and then he had an ankle thing a little bit late in the season. So uh, was he was he entirely healthy? Was he making progress? Um, I don't know, but he better make progress next season. Yeah, I mean the guy allowed fifty-two pressures, uh, and and let's see, in his one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, in his last seven games, he allowed. If I could do the math quick, what's that? Twenty-three or thirty-six, thirty-six pressures. Right. In, and that's uh, when he came back from the MCL, and, and you yeah. know, right before the playoff game, when he when everybody was worried about his ankle, he basically told me that his MCL still wasn't entirely right, and and, and it wouldn't be till he rested. So. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, Andrew Thomas had a rough rookie year as well, and um, we'll 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 get we'll circle back to the rookie class because I think it's an interesting discussion led by Neil, of course. The defensively, in terms of the Giants' needs, um, into you know inside linebackers is a revolving door all year. Uh, no other way to put it than they have to find some stability there. Their run defense was not good enough. They, they could really use a big time playmaker in the middle. I mean, that's. Um, you know, and, and, you know, for most teams, there's not inside linebackers aren't playmakers anymore. They're guys you really want to be stout against the run. Um, and, but they need that, they need that presence for sure. And, um, you know, the D line, they'll have to, they'll take care of Dexter Lawrence. You'd think, uh, the Leonard Williams contract is really interesting because, um, Joe Shane redid it before last year and Leonard Williams now has, uh, a monster salary cap hit 30, 32, two next year with 18 million in base salary. Um, and we'll get the corner in a minute, but uh, what, what do they do with it? I mean, it's 20 million in dead money if they caught him in 18 in cap savings. So if I'm Leonard Williams and Joe Shane says, Oh, do you feel like taking a pay cut now? Just like, kind of forget what Leonard Williams said. He was just saying the PC thing about like, Oh, I'll uh, uh, sure. I'd be open to taking a pay cut. Um, but if Joe Shane says, well, look, we want to lower your $18 million base salary, Leonard Williams should say, go ahead, try it, cut me. You know, you're going to take on $20 million in dead money to save twelve. Okay, it's possible, but um, obviously Leonard Williams is not getting $18 million elsewhere, so that could be Joe Shane's counter. The other option is reworking the deal again or giving some kind of mini extension to kind of spread out the cap hit. But, I mean, could they take on 322 yeah, I guess they could, but it's awfully high in terms of a cap number for him. It is. It, 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 it you know, they're they're trying to build a better roster, and when you have thirty-two million on one player, who's you know, I can't imagine there's another uh, D tackle in the NFL who has a cap hit that high. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I haven't looked at all of them. But that's an incredibly high number for a defensive tackle. That's a quarterback number. Uh, you know, yeah, and, and it's it, a product of the restructure, but still, yeah, right, it's, sure, right, right, but it's, but it's still, it's still the reality of thirty-two million dollars on your cap, um, and 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 Leonard's a really good player, 
Uh, is he a great player? Uh, he's no. he's he, no, but he's not. But he's he's a really good player, and he helps your team. Um, he did neither him nor Dexter Lawrence had a great game against the Eagles. Um, e- either of the games where all the starters played, uh, they were the, the Eagles just ran up and down the field on them. Uh, and again, that's a reflection on inside line, but it's a reflection on the whole team, really. I mean, they they ran any way they wanted, uh, you know, inside, outside, uh, everything. You know, I, I, I think Leonard Williams, I think what will end up happening is he will. He will acquiesce and because I think he likes playing here. Um, but I think I think they'll they'll get some wiggle room out of that. I don't know how much. Um, but I think he will be here and I think he'll he'll agree to do a little bit of something to help that help ease the the cap hit. And Joe Shane has shown that he doesn't mind taking on dead money. Um and again, he could just say, Okay, we'll cut you. We'll we'll save twelve million dollars. Uh we'll take on twenty. And Leonard Williams is not getting eighteen million dollars elsewhere, so maybe Leonard just says, "Okay, fine. Like I'll lower that number. I'll lower the 18. So, so um, some of that, some of that comes to, and and we don't know the answer to this, how they feel about guys like uh, DJ Davidson and Ryder Anderson. Uh, I know, I, I know, you know, both one was a low low draft pick, and the other one was a um, undrafted guy. But if they like those guys, and if they think they can play a bigger role. Uh, you know, obviously they brought in Justin Ellis and Nick Williams to be part of the rotation um, last year. But if, if they like their young guys, you see teams do that all the time. You know, you, you say, oh, my God, they're, you know, they're letting Leonard Williams go. Who are they going to replace him with? And and talent evaluators look at these things differently. Uh, you know, they, they, they're constantly saying, well, what do we project this guy to be? And certainly guys who weren't high picks and, and or, or even drafted – have made names for themselves in this league. So maybe they look at those guys, uh, you know, Ryder Anderson played pretty well when he was, when he was in there, DJ Javerson was, you know, Ryder Anderson is, a, is a guy you look at a uh, very similar body to Leonard Williams. Um, you know, Andre Patterson, the defensive uh, line coach told me he was working with the outside backers when they first got him into camp. And he's and he told somebody he goes, I want that guy. I want him bring him over here. Bring him with my group. Um, so he saw something in him. How much the Giants see him? I don't know. But those things do happen over the course of an offseason. That's a really good point, because these obviously the people in the front office, they're seeing these players more than we are in terms of their practice stuff. And so they're getting they say, oh, that's sort of an unknown. Well, it's more of a known to them because they're seeing them, you know, how they work and practice and they're like how they're performing more than just the limited game action that we see them in. Uh, and then also the, the whole concept of like value uh, versus performance. Right. So if you're getting Ryder Anderson or DJ Davison, you're, you know, those cap hits are so minimal. Like, is the gap between the production value of them and Leonard Williams worth, you know, however large the golf is between the cap hits for those players? So that's obviously something they're going to have to assess. And <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of uh, the uh, another one in the in the secondary in the defense there in the secondary. So Adoree Jackson's got a nineteen million dollar cap hit in the final year of his contract. The Giants would have to take on ten and a half in dead money with eight eight and a half in cap savings for cutting him. Like, I don't think they will because that would be something you do if you're, like, desperate for cap space. Um, also, they need to get a number two corner, and then maybe they need to get a new safety if Julian Love leaves. So, like, I don't 
it doesn't wouldn't make sense to me. I mean, yeah, 19 million is a pretty high cap number for a Dory Jackson, but um, to me, it's like you know you're not in penny pinching mode. No, oh, you're 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 definitely not. Um, you know, again, I don't know what they think, and we, you know, he's he's a forgotten person. What they thought of Aaron Robinson when he did play last year, um, it, you know, his season was over in an instant. First, the appendix put him out of two games, and then he comes back and gets immediately gets hurt with a knee injury that ends the season. Um, it it was interesting that. Um, I think we're going to see Cordell Flott compete for a starting job um, next season based on just what Joe Shane, Joe Shane made a real point to, to single him out yesterday as a guy that they really thought was, was making progress uh, and, and did, you know, Cordell's not a real big guy in terms of physical stature. Uh, but I think, I think they do like him still. And, and I, I could see him competing for a starting job next year. Interesting, and because you know he has a versatility, he can play in the slot and, and outside. And you know, Darnie Holmes has been just okay in the slot. And so, you know, there there's some there could be some moving pieces in that secondary. I think the one piece that won't be moving in the Giants' defense is Wink Martindale. Um, I mean, this notion that like Brian Dable should do everything he can to like keep Wink Martindale. Like, oh wait, excuse me. Like, if Wink Martindale at 60 years of age gets a head coaching job. Brian Dable could offer this guy the Taj Mahal and he wouldn't come back and nor should he. It's a, it's a binary. So it's a one or one thing. It's like a, whatever the proposition, however you phrase it, either he gets a head coaching offer and he leaves or he doesn't and he stays. There's no like keeping him, uh, uh, whatever. That's a side yeah. ramp, but he's, uh, he interviewed virtually, you know, virtually there, there it is. Uh, he interviewed really, actually he did interview with the Colts on Sunday um, over, over the, over the computer there. Um, <laughs> but that's his only interview, right? I mean, I, 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 I get over that thing, Daryl. <laughs> I know. I think Wink, uh, do you think he'd be a good head coach? I think he would be. I, I guess his teams don't really see a 60 year old defensive guy that way though. Right. Well, so many teams just always want to go offense rather than defense there. I mean, there are a few exceptions, yeah. but, um, I, I, yeah, I think his personality would lend himself to being a, a good head coach. You know, talked to enough of his, defensive players this season to know that they liked playing for him. Um, he obviously has an aggressive uh, mentality when it comes to playing defense. And I assume he has an aggressive, would have an aggressive mentality in being a head coach. Um, you know, <laughs> the funny thing is I, I think the Giants would have a harder time replacing him than they would Kafka. Uh, Cause I don't know yes. where they would go staff wise because I guarantee if Wink Martindale becomes the head coach, he's taking Drew Wilkins, the the outside linebackers coach with him, who's who's responsible for a lot of his blitz package designs. Uh, yep. You know, and he's basically, he, I mean, Wink basically told the Giants, if you don't hire me, hire this guy to be your defense coordinator. So I would I would think he would want him as a defense coordinator. I don't think we're I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think Wink will be back as the defense coordinator. Yep. I mean, in that reality of today's NFL uh, benefits, Brian Dable in this case, because Wink Martindale is now was the defense perfect. No, I mean, they got, they were better in the red zone. I mean, they need better personnel at the areas we've talked about, but clearly they were back. They were banged up a lot too. And clearly like he did a, he did a good job. Like there's no doubt. Um, But I think probably the ship has sailed for him in terms of being a head coach, but there's no, look, I mean, the guy does a great job at his job. Um, 
So, um, you know, the Giants will benefit from presumably having him back. Uh, And speaking of guys who will be back, I mean, you did a great thing this morning on the rookie class and we we can go through it. Um, Even if we just, you know, we talked about Ryder Anderson a little bit there. um, And Tomon Fox is another undrafted guy who made it, you know, got some looks. Um, But just one by one here, uh, the draft picks. Kayvon Thibodeau, pretty solid year, something to build on. I mean, he needs to he needs to be a star, obviously. Yes, uh, and we saw his his star night was definitely um, the the night in in Washington where he just he he scored a touchdown with a strip sack. He saved the game with a game saving tackle near the end of the game at the one yard line. Um, he you saw super bar, superstar potential. Um, for sure. Uh, do, do they need to see him go to another level? Uh, do they need to see him mentally mature a little bit? I would say yes to both of those things. But if I'm, if I'm Joe Shane and Brian Dable, I'm, I'm very encouraged what I saw in my first in Kayvon Thibodeau's first season in the NFL. I agree with all of that. Uh, Evan Neal, uh, that's the pick at number seven that they got for trading back, which will th- another uh, let's let's one more last shot at Dave Gettleman. He traded back and drafted Kadarius Tony instead of taking Micah Parsons or Rashawn Slater. The end. Uh, okay. After the Eagles, after the Eagles swarmed in and moved ahead of him and got Devontae Smith, the guy they really wanted and would have yeah. helped them at the receiver position. Uh, yeah. And none of that stuff is good for the Giants. Not not a single thing. They did get the seventh pick in 2022 out of that uh, from the Bears. They take Evan Neal. They think, okay, it'll be bookend with with Andrew Thomas. And as we established already, it did not go well for Evan Neal. Um, Enormous pressure uh, on him entering year two. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wondell Robinson is the – everyone has another one with Tony, right? They draft Wondell Robinson 43rd overall. Small gadget receiver, slot player in the second round. Oh, Jesus, too much redundancy with Tony. <laughs> and then they, you know, they send Tony off to the Chiefs. Uh, Wandale Robinson, obviously, some encouraging stuff, but like, can he? The question along for me was like, I understand an ACL is not like a durability, an injury, a product of him being small. But to me, like, that's a question for him. Can he stay sure. durable? Is he, get, is he gonna get banged? Is he gonna get banged yeah. up? I mean, the game we saw, you know, the game his coming out game was against the Lions. He had a hundred yards receiving. He was looking great the whole the entire game. At nine catches, really showed explosive. You can, you know, and, and he did in some other games too. Showed some real explosiveness, uh, but had two different knee injuries in, in his rookie season. Um, you know. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens going forward, but there's things to like. I, you know, amazing as I pointed out earlier, one of four a season-ending ACL injuries for for the rookie class. Uh, that that shouldn't be possible. It should not. And they had a couple more Achilles tendon tears, I think, on the roster elsewhere. Well, I, the one thing I, I I added this up was. So they lost 81 rookie games, I believe the number was. Uh, 81 out of a possible 187 games of their rookie draft class were lost to injury. Wow, uh, that's a remarkable stat. Like almost 50, that is 43%. a remarkable stat. And um, Josh Azudu, the number th- the third round pick, the first of their two third round picks, got some looks at left guard, really struggled, uh, then dealt with a neck injury. I mean, obviously the jury's still way out on him. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that neck injury was bad. I remember going up to him and 
you know, ask him if he was going to play in the Dallas game. The, the Detroit game was the game they got beat up pretty. They got beat up on the scoreboard and really decimated by injuries. Get heading to Dallas on Thanksgiving, and I remember asking if Josh was going to be able to play, and he could barely move his neck. Uh, oh, so just... I mean, it, it, it was a scary injury, and he's you know. We'll see what happens going forward. But, yeah, he, he's another guy. Right now, I think he just looks more like of a, a depth player along the offensive line than than a starter, but we'll see. Yep. Um, Cordell Flott, we have talked about him, the versatility he provides. I would expect him to have a bigger role um, for sure. Yep, I, I would agree with that um, 100%. The fourth-round pick, the first of two there, Dane Belton, the tight end. Uh, it would be interesting to see how this – shakes out in the uh do they have a tight end duo here in dane belton and then the former jet lawrence cager who uh also is you know under you said, you said belton daniel bellinger is oh uh, gosh i looked at uh, db and i okay <laughs> daniel bellinger sorry tight end I, duo. We'll get first realizing this is how how close their two names are and oh, how close gosh. they were in the draft <laughs> b-a-n and then b-e-l right oh my gosh uh, yeah um uh so Okay, so Daniel Bellinger, the tight end, obviously, and some encouraging signs of the eye injury. Uh, Lawrence Cager will be back, and the reason is he's actually an exclusive rights free agent, um, which means he's not a free agent at all. It's complicated, but right. He's and and Cager played Cager played very well for them. Uh, yeah. So so how does that shake out with Cager and Bellinger at tight end? I think Bellinger's more the tight end because I think he's probably a better blocking tight end. Uh, but you know. Those two guys are, are, are good, and you, you, I think there's something to you continue to look at and see. see. I think there's more receiving wise in Bellinger um, than we saw. You know, some people are going to say, "Well, he only had 268 yards receiving." Well, he also missed four games, so take that and you know, give him those four games, and he'd be among the top two or three rookies at tight end in terms of in terms of both catches and and yards. I I, I think I really do. Um, so I think, you know, him and Cager are, are a decent com- combination to build on. Um, you probably bring in somebody else along the way. Uh, but I, I don't think they're that bad off in that position. It's a position that some teams have, as we saw with the Eagles and Vikings, they have superstars at those positions. Are either one of those guys superstars? I, not right now. They're not. We'll, we'll see what happens going forward. And we get to now Dane Belton, the safety who replaced initially Xavier McKinney, then did not play well, and Jason Pinnock became that guy. So a lot depends here on what, whether Julian Love leaves in free agency. Um, McKinney will obviously be back, and, and no, Xavier McKinney is not getting a second contract after year three here. Like, and Andrew Thomas, they, sh- they should just sit down and talk to him a little bit. Uh, I don't think it'll happen, but he's eligible for one. But uh, McKinney of the ATV accident. So he's going to have to prove he can be reliable next year. Maybe he'll do it alongside love. Maybe it'll be alongside Belton. Maybe it'll be alongside Pinnock who's under contract through 2024 on his rookie deal. Yeah. So Dane Belton is still, you know, they gave him a chance. He's sputtered a little bit. He, he did. And he came, he came back a little bit at the end. They gave him the chance to play in that Philadelphia game when they were playing the reserves and he played pretty well in that game. And he got 10 defensive snaps in the, in the playoff win over the Vikings um, I, I think he came back uh, in the, uh, you know, uh, a little bit from really where there was a stretch there um, in the middle of the season where they just didn't trust him at all. Uh, Pennick won the job. You know, they it was between, you know, initially it sounded like Belton was going to be the main guy 
replacing McKinney. And Pinnock ended up becoming that guy. Uh, we'll see. They'll, they'll, they'll compete in for playing time and in, in training camp and throughout next season. I think they'll come back pretty much where they are right now, competing for playing time. Yeah, I mean, this team is a team that should be pushing to go deeper in the playoffs. And, yes, they're going to have some veteran additions. But the reality remains, as you just alluded to, that they'll have a, they'll have young guys competing for starting jobs, you know, young, unproven players. It's not like they're going to be set at every position just because they have a lot of cap space. Um, and moving down the draft list, and we'll combine these two guys, even though they weren't drafted next to each other, Mike McFadden, Darian Beavers, a couple outside linebackers. Beavers obviously was competing to start at Mike, uh, and that wound up being the revolving door spot there. Um, he didn't play at all with, was he an Achilles or ACL? I think it was an ACL. Um, ACL. He was one of the four ACLs. And McFadden, they gave a chance to, and then they put him he, on the end. Well, he, 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 he played every regular season game and then didn't dress for either of the playoff games. Uh, you know, so obviously, and they brought in Jared Davis, the veteran, to to play in the two playoff games. That does not bode well for Mike McFadden. Uh, you know, that they didn't trust him to be to be the guy um, when it came to playoff time. Um, he'll obviously be back. He'll have a lot to prove to them next year. Uh, Beavers, you know, I, I wasn't there for training camp or preseason, but I did watch all three of the Giants preseason games. Uh, it looked like he was playing very well to me in the preseason. Um, and, you know, maybe he would have been the guy who got – the snaps that McFadden got if he had, if he had stayed healthy, but obviously he didn't. So he'll be coming back from, from ACL and competing for, for, for work. You know, he could have been the week one starter there. Um, uh, right. Beavers and, and yeah. So yeah. because of the timing of his ACL injury, you'd think he'd be ready sooner rather than later. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, I'll, um, I'll give you a little Giants trivia, 2022 Giants trivia. Who was the opening day starter at the position? <laughs> oh, I know that Austin Calitro because I wrote wrote that story leading into the season. So, and uh, we're probably a few people yeah. who remember that. <laughs> Crazy, and they wound up cutting him. So the names they they rotated through at inside linebacker, uh, starting obviously with Blake Martinez, who didn't even make it to the season. Beavers gets hurt. Then let's say in no particular order here: Calitro, Tay Crowder, Jalen Smith. Gerard Davis, Mike uh, McFadden. Mike McFadden. I think that's it. Uh, yeah. That's, oh, and they played Landon Collins a little there too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Remarkable. Uh, and then a lot of those swaps aren't weren't even because of injuries, but remarkable revolving door. Uh, we'll group the next two guys, the last two guys, not the last two guys we'll mention. Obviously, Beavers was their final pick, but DJ Davidson, the defensive tackle, Marcus McKeithen, an offensive lineman who would have provided some depth this year and did did in the case of Davidson. Uh, but injuries right bit them both, and two more ACLs, <laughs> two of the four. So I, this was, I found this to be a, a really interesting stat. There was only one rookie who played in every game, including the the two playoff games. Uh, can you name him? The one rookie for the Giants. One rookie for the Giants who played in every game, including the two playoff games. Would that be Flot? Nope. Would it be Davidson then? It, no, Davidson was out. In no, no, no. It wouldn't have been. Uh, would it have been not? Would Belden? Nope. <laughs> what am I missing here? I mean, Thibodeau rested. When I, when I, well, you know what? I, I might have, I might have screwed up. The I didn't screw up the question. No. Um, let me, let me just 
check. No, it definitely wasn't Belton. Uh, yeah, this, it's, a right, it's a right question. What's that? Tomon Fox? Tomon Fox is the answer. Yeah, because not a draft. A little tricky question there. I like that. Uh, yeah. And, they, you know, he's an edge rusher who, you know, maybe more of a depth guy and a situational rusher. But um, he was, uh, you know, maybe he provides some depth for him down the road. I mean, he's under contract through 2024, affordable cap numbers. Right. Yep. So. So I found that to be an interesting question, though. But we'll see with the, you know Davidson and McKeith in depth there. Sure. Um, but the Giants obviously have clearly some work to do. Uh, so that pretty much like sums up all the offseason stuff. And we, so in terms of schedule here, and uh, we we will not be doing a podcast every week. Uh, probably one right before the combine when things start to shake out a little more. If the Giants do something crazy notable, we'll come circle back and do a few minutes of a podcast. So that's sort of where we're at with that. Um, obviously, be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe on all your podcasting platforms. We appreciate all that. Uh, well, that's we always do a pick. Um, obviously, no Giants game to pick this week. We'll just run through the last three games of the NFL season here, and do and and so Bob, I'll let you. We'll go game by game. Niners, Eagles. Who you got? Uh, I'm gonna. Take the Eagles because they're home. It's gonna. I think it's gonna be a tough uh, battle, but I, I I got the Eagles winning this one, twenty four to twenty. All right, we'll do scores then. Uh, I'll take the Eagles. Brock Purdy magic runs out twenty seven seventeen Eagles in that one. Uh, Bengals Chiefs. Uh, I I think with Patrick Mahomes uh, banged up and Joe Burrow playing with more confidence than any man on the planet. I'm going to take the Bengals in that one for a second straight year and go into Kansas City and win. And I got the Bengals 25 to 19. <laughs> That's a, that, is that a scoregami? I wonder. Maybe that would be a scoregami. I'll take, I'll take Bengals as well. Playing on a high ankle sprain a week after you sustain it is basically unheard of in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, it'll be, if Patrick Mahomes wins a Super Bowl on this injury, it'll go down as one of the like gutsiest clutch quarterback performances ever. Uh, I think they lose the game 20 where let's say 30, 34 to 24. So Bengals, we both have Bengals Eagles, Super Bowl. Um, yeah. Two great young quarterbacks and Hertz and burrow. I think it'll be a fantastic matchup. Um, the sentimental favorite, obviously nationally will be the Bengals because of their history, long history of failure. Now the Eagles got their Super Bowl ever. So Joe Blow in Tulsa, Oklahoma will probably be pulling for the Bengals, obviously, because, you know, uh, the Eagles got theirs. So let, let the Bengals try to get one will be the national storyline. Uh, what would be your pick for that Super Bowl? It should be. It would be a really good game, right? It would be a great game from a from a personal standpoint of because I'm going to cover the Super Bowl. I'd love to see the Eagles and Chiefs both going for well. It would be Andy Reid going for a second against the Eagles. Oh, that would be juicy. Second, that 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 story would make Philadelphians insane. Uh, um, Which which many Giants fans would love to see. Uh, um, You know. I, I would have the I would have the Eagles winning that one, uh, twenty seven to twenty one. I just think they have I think the Eagles have the best roster, full roster in the NFL. I think Joe Burrow's better than Jalen Hurts at this point, but I just think the the Eagles both teams have great receivers. Uh, you know that so that's a great matchup. I just think the Eagles just might have a little bit more complete roster and they'd win that game twenty seven twenty one. 
the big problem for the Bengals is that they're 31, 31st in the NFL in pass blocking and PFF. And as we well, saw, they played great against the Bills the other day. They did. They did. As we saw, you know, the Bills are fifth in pass rush. The Eagles are on a different level pass rush wise, as we saw in that playoff game first and pass rush. That would be a concern, obviously, for the Bengals. My my heart says Bengals over Eagles. My head says Eagles. Uh, I don't know. I'll say Eagles 38, Bengals uh 35 last second field goal or something like that to win it. I don't know if the Bengals can score 35 against the Eagles defense, but that's what I'll go with. I think it would be (laughs) what's that. I'd watch 38 to 35. Sure. Yeah. And you'll have to actually, you'll, you know, so you'll be there for the Super Bowl. No, I won't be watching. I'll be writing. (laughs) Yeah. Bob will be out there for the Super Bowl, uh, covering it for us. Regardless, Steve Politi will be out there. Our columnist, regardless, uh, we'll see if the Eagles, can can use that big springboard use a springboard off that big win from the divisional round against the Giants and obviously the Giants meanwhile trying to build on this trying to build on this this strong season that ended inarguably with a dud um, with a reality check with an uh, you know exposing type loss uh, against the division rival so a lot of work for Bri- for Brian Dable next year and more immediately for Joe Shane as we started by saying pressures on him. Let's see if he can get it done. And we appreciate everyone listening all year. Appreciate everyone reading all our stories. And um, we will be back with you, uh, I don't know, maybe like a month or so leading into the Combine, which really is more of a free agency type event uh, event because of uh, all the tampering that goes on there. But um, plenty to talk about in the offseason. We'll see. I mean, the combine, the tag deadline, uh, the start of the tag window happens right before the combine. So there's going to be some news here coming up, but a little bit of a quiet time uh, right now, unless unlike half the leaves. And so we'll see how that all shakes out. Uh, we appreciate everyone listening and thanks for everything, guys and gals. And we will be back with you uh, at some point here uh, sooner rather than later, but definitely not next week. So everyone enjoy your week and enjoy the games this weekend and uh, take care.